everybody. Welcome back to O23 Radio. Today we have an exciting one coming at you with another Q&A we got going on. Um, this is Jordan Todd. I'm joined by Brian Costello as always. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, man. I'm excited to uh, have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, guys. So we got a, a lot of good feedback from the first Q&A we did uh, a few episodes back. So we wanted to do uh, another one of these. So the Q&A today, it, it ranges in topics, but they're all things that we've either been asked directly or things that we just see within the realm of, you know, health, coaching, fitness, wellness, well-being, and uh, just getting an, an 023 take on a, a bunch of these different topics and everything. So uh, with that, let's jump right into question number one. So Brian, we'll, we'll throw it over to you to start on this one. If you could make every human on the planet do one thing, what would it be and why? Okay. Um, so, well, I think it's tricky because I think when you make, like, if you actually make people do something, it changes the effect of it in a lot of ways. But let's just assume, let's just take that out of the equation. Let's, let's assume that, like, they, they, they all do want to do it. They do it voluntarily. Yeah. For that <laughs> we'll all do whatever you say is what they exactly. say. Exactly. They're, ha- they're happy them. about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, in that case, um, you know, I go right back to the biggest, you know, the things that would uh, have the most impact in my own life. And um, really the first thing that comes to mind for me is an extended fast. And it was, you know, I've mentioned it a few times. And one of the reasons it just completely, it like altered my reality in a lot of ways. It like shifted my perspective in so many ways of like what the body is capable of, how, like what health really means and feels like. And then it just like, it, it connected me with my body and my intuition and, and I learned how to he, listen to my body and hear my inner voice and, and honor the, like the, the needs and the requests of that. And just like, I mean, I jumped a, a hundred levels in that realm in, thir- in the 30 days that I fasted. Well, really in the time following really the next six months to a year. Um, you know, like, again, it just like, there was not one single thing in my life that was not shifted in that sense in a positive way. And most of it was, had, was related to connection to myself, connection to nature, connection to the people around me. And if you want to have major, you know, I guess if I was having everybody in the planet do one thing, it would be to try to help the planet. And I think that this would be a big help. Nice. So extended fast. What's the timeline for that? Like what, what would be extended? Extended, I would say at least 10 days to two weeks or more. Okay. We're talking extended here. I'm talking extended, yeah. Yeah. The, the whole planet doesn't eat for two weeks. There it is. <laughs> Enough to really, like, you know, feel the body operating without food and how much it affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And then, um, yeah, like I said, the connection piece that comes with it following, I think, would, would ripple out into the world really strongly. Yeah. Yeah, completely made up number, but probably like 90% of the world no, that's, a, that's not, that's not true. North America over here, at least let's call it, let's call it America. <laughs> Western, 90, yeah. Western society, 90% of Western society probably doesn't go more than a couple hours without eating yes, ever. Right, right. And so that, uh, that would be, yeah, an interesting one. Yeah. Most people probably have never really gone like a, a, an entire day without eating. Exactly. And if they did, they can probably, like, there was this one time where I didn't have food or whatever. Like, and I thought I was going to die. Rare, <laughs> yeah, it was a very rare thing. A lot yeah. of wrestlers out there really cutting weight and stuff maybe, but yeah. It's not common. And I think that's, that's the point, big point and part of it is just like to just feel, feel what that would feel like and the difference. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. Um, this is an interesting one though, because like you say, you can't like, this is why they'll never be able to make a law. That's like, everyone has to work out every day. Cause like <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. if people don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah. That's how it works. But um, where my head went, the thing I would have make everybody do, is everyone would have to sleep eight hours every single night. Mm-hmm. And so this is like an ongoing one here. Mm-hmm. But uh, thinking of all the things, like I know when we talk about sleep, we don't talk about like, oh, you need a set number. But to generalize it yes, here for it this, let's say eight hours, everybody, every single night. And for that, that if our society as a whole was well rested, like sufficiently mm-hmm. rested, mm-hmm. they would be able to make better decisions in every area of their life. Mm-hmm. Like people would be happier, people would be healthier. When it comes time to eat, you know, you're not going to choose the, the the cookie and the chips. Like you're going to have the brain power to choose the thing that actually makes you feel good. And I feel like a, a well rested society would drastically increase pretty much every metric that we actually care about. So that'd be my thing. I would make everyone yeah. sleep for eight hours. Definitely, I won't argue with you on that one. I mean, we talk about this all the time. How 
we are a fatigued society. At the core of all of these issues is fatigue and circadian disruption. Even people who are in that, you know, we're in this like go, 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 you know, mindset all the time, but really that we're still just overly, um, we're just upregulated way too much. And ultimately that still leads to fatigue in the body and, and breakdown. And yeah, you, you look around and you can see it. You see it in the world. And yeah, I would, I would love to see that world too. <laughs> Really yeah, there we go. So we got fasting and sleeping are the two things that we'd, uh, we'd make everybody do. So I also, uh, I'll do a quick honorable mention. Yep, yep. Because this reminded me of, um, I heard the story once. I don't, I'm very vague. I don't know if it's true about someone who was going to try to um, uh, put uh, LSD in the water supply in California. <laughs> like they were going to try to like dump giant truckloads of, of LSD into the water supply because they want everybody to like feel like love and connected and all that stuff. Um, but it's just, I, this reminded me of that because it's just like kind of like the same idea, but I don't know <laughs> if it really works that well. Everybody's walking around like <laughs> microdosing LSD yeah, at all yes, times. All the time. <laughs> That's the next thing. Everyone make, yeah. everyone, make everyone microdose. Uh, uh, all right. Moving on to number two. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of a nutrition one here. Um, Brian, do you ever eat quote unquote cheat meals or, or have anything, you know, not traditionally healthy in your diet? Uh, yes, but I don't ever refer to them as cheat meals, I think is one uh, important clarification because when I make this decision, I make it intentionally and, and consciously, um, without feeling like I'm cheating, quote unquote cheating or doing something bad or wrong. Um, and I, I do use the word treat quite a bit. So like if we, you know, we're going out for a treat or for some like dessert or something like that, it's. I, I think that that word makes sense to me because I do think that there's a lot of uh, joy and pleasure to be found in eating, in the eating process and the, and the things that exist in this world that taste delicious, right? Um, I also, I'm, 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 you know, fortunate enough, really since the fast, you know, but in this stage of my life that I find a lot of joy and pleasure still in eating just very healthy foods. I mean, I, those feel the best to me. Um, but yeah, I, I will eat treat meals. Um, and one of the things I focus on is this idea of, uh, it's in the term, I used to practice it, but I never really knew there was a term for it, but my friend Josh told me there's a term called controlled folly, which is this idea, of I'm going to intentionally choose this treat and release all of the, the guilt or shame or whatever else that would come with it, because ultimately all of those things are going to be much more damaging than than a, you know, a little bit of uh, ice cream or something that I'm, that I'm going to eat. So if I'm going to do it, I do it and I release that and I kind of, you know, um, let myself enjoy that with, without the, the, the lower vibrational energies that come with it. Mm -hmm. I think, and I think you just hit like it really on the head there where it's, it's not even the treat, the unhealthy food, quote unquote, unhealthy food that really does the damage. It's the stress, the guilt, the shame, the stories you tell about eating that that does like that's where the real damage is mm -hmm. and that's what's ongoing not the food it's the emotions and the relationship to the food that's the problem mm -hmm. yeah absolutely 100 percent. and another uh, another part like the second half of the conversation i guess is that you know it, it depends on where i am for me now i'm at this place but for people it'll be it'll be different but i'm in a place where i know it's not going to set me off into some sort of like bender or binge of like unhealthy food where i'm like quote unquote off you know like that feeling and I was just talking about this with somebody recently that, um, that, you know, I, I would, I could go out and have a treat meal or whatever, or if we're at an event or something and I'm eating some things I wouldn't normally eat and whatnot, that's all great. But I'm not going to like, I would, you would have to like almost force me to have that a second meal in a row. That's sort of like a treat meal. And then like, but if I had to do three meals in a row, you'd have to like hold me down. And like, just because like, and again, not because I'm like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like I'm going to gain weight or like anything like that. But just like my body will start to tell me like, dude, you need to put some real good nutritious food in your body now. And if I don't start fulfill that need, I'll feel it. And I won't be happy. I'll, I'll be, you know, it'll affect me emotionally and things right away. So I'm also, you know, I'm in a position where I'm fortunate to know that I'm not going to fly off the handle. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's huge. And that's like, it's not a matter of how bad this thing is. It's just like, how do you feel towards it? Mm -hmm. and, and that's the big part. And yeah, mm -hmm. I have a, a, a pretty kind of in funny story about this one also that I didn't realize I, this was what I was doing at the time. I think it was something in hindsight that was very positive for my relationship with this stuff. 
after having spent a period of my life where I was very against this or like I wouldn't let myself eat it. It was, uh, there was a time where uh, I would eat ice cream basically every single day. And like, and what I would do though, I had like a tub of ice cream and I would eat one scoop a day. Like okay. I, would t- I would take it out of the freezer, grab a spoon, take one scoop, take a bite, put it back. Okay. And I did that almost daily for like a long time. And in hindsight, I, I really think it was actually something that was so beneficial for my relationship with this because it was this idea that I can eat ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like I can have these treats. And also there was something really satisfying about knowing I had the control to take yes. one and then put it back. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was like so powerful in uh, building my relationship with these you know, treat foods, the, the, the things that we have that are outside of what would traditionally be considered healthy. Yeah. And, uh, and now at this point, it's like the same thing as you. Like I have the you know, treat foods, but nothing is ever a cheat. Everything mm-hmm. is that, I, that I eat, that I put in my body is always in alignment with who I want to be and where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means, yes, let's lean into the, uh, let's lean into the emotional side that eating can provide for us. You know, I'm with friends. I'm in a, a, a circumstance where this will enhance my life experience. It will be yes. a net positive. Then it's like, yes, eat the dessert, have the treat, have the pizza, whatever it is, but do it consciously, do it intentionally. And, uh, you know, very rarely will you ever find me eating one, like just because, um, and definitely not, you know, because it's like masking an emotion or anything of that yes. sort. Right. And so, yeah, it's been an interesting kind of uh, journey in, in these realms for sure. I, I, that's a really, um, cool story and lesson with the ice cream that you mentioned there. I've never heard you share that before. Um, but I think the, and the key there is, is the fact that you were still in control. The fact that that was almost like proof to yourself every day that you can control this. So it sounds to me like you're you were getting stronger and stronger in that sense. Um, and that's the whole point is like if people, if we feel like we're, we're forfeiting control, like as soon as I get grant myself a cheat day or a cheat meal, I just go crazy. Um, Cause I, I don't fully have control still. Like I've been waiting all week for this cheat day. So I can just go crazy. Like that's still going to be um, from a relationship standpoint, that's still going to be just dysfunctional. Totally. And it's also not from a place of entitlement where people are like, I deserve this yes, because yeah, of yeah. X, Y, Z mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this would be an enhancement to my life and I'm going to enjoy the hell of this. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that's what it's about. And I think just to wrap this one up, you touched on it where it's, it gets to a point when you really understand yourself and you learn to listen to your body's signals, you actually learn, you start to not want the thing. Yes. And like we talked about actually in the first question, like if you just try and willpower yourself to not have it, eventually you're going to give in like willpower is a finite resource when we can orient ourselves and become the person who doesn't eat the ice cream then all of a sudden we don't actually want it anymore yes. you have it once mm-hmm. and you're like actually no i'm good the next time it comes up like i don't want it and that's when it becomes easy to say no yes exactly and you need less and less of the discipline and willpower mm-hmm. and that strength after a while yeah. it's just it's not as tempting mm-hmm. yeah so to summarize we eat the treats but they're not cheats yes. so Moving on to the uh, the next one here. So, Brian, what is something in our modern society that seems harmless but is actually very dangerous? Yeah, there's a lot of things. <laughs> um, I think you know, and actually, this, um, if, any, if you guys, if anyone listening has ever heard of Darren, shoot, what's his name? Darren O'Brien, I think is his name. He was on the show um, Down to Earth with Zac Efron. They like traveled the world. I don't know if you, if you watched any of those episodes. You watch any of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a bit of yeah, it. Yeah. He was yeah. the guy with, with Zach Efron. He's like the gotcha, blonde yeah. guy, you know, health health dude. Um, he's got he has a segment on his podcast called Fatal Conveniences, and he talks about all of these things in our world that are like convenient and seem like they're just part of our life, and like we don't think much about them, but how dangerous they really are. So um, I can't I can't think of any specific examples, but I remember I see him you know talk about it all the time. Um, but for me, I, I always, I always come back to, I come back to two things really. I come back to screens and that form of like constant input. And I also, I always come back to kids and children because of, you know, the early development, right? So when I think like an answer to me in this question is, you know, screens with kids basically, and what we're allowing them to consume because they don't really have the choice like they just do what you know they don't know what they're doing exactly um so i think of uh, you might not be familiar but most any parents would probably be familiar with coco melon it's like this kids sing along like youtube channel but it's it's designed where they cut every two seconds you know, like it's it's it literally like sucks them in that they can't look away and 
it completely disrupts their ability to like process and think and have stream of consciousness. And like they, they, they actually turn into zombies while they're watching it. Um, and, and parents are like, oh, my kid, they lo he loves Coco Melon or she loves Coco Melon. And I'm kind of like, no, they just can't like actually physiologically look away from it. Similar to us in Instagram, right? Like no one's like, oh, I love Instagram. It's my favorite thing. Yet we use it all day, right? Because it just sucks us in without a choice. Um, and it's like that with kids. So when I think about that in their stage of development, um, I think it's really important to just protect them because they don't know. Even, you know, they may ask for it, but they don't really know. Just protect them around that. Mm -hmm. That's one of uh, many answers I could give, but I'll yeah. stick with that. Yeah, it's funny when you mentioned like, uh, what's something harmless that actually, or seems harmless, but is actually very dangerous. And you're like, kids. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah, screens for them where they have they don't have the comprehension to be like, no, this isn't good for me. Yeah. And they just get glued in, like you say, they turn into a zombie, don't even really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, it's cool. What did you say? The I forget the guy's name you mentioned, but um, modern fatal, uh, fatal. Yeah, what was it? Fatal conveniences. Fatal conveniences. Yeah. Yeah. And so that just makes me got my wheels turning a little bit. Of like, this would be the first answer, and then I'll give the actual one. But it's like anything that provides you comfort for the intention of like blocking out the world, mm -hmm. like for the the intention of like a distraction. Yeah. Because like the comfort feels good, but the reason you're chasing this comfort is to not think about what else is going on. And yes. like, I think you know, that sounds like what this, this whole segment that he has is all about, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I'm sure we could go deep into all of those. But uh, what my actual answer was that that came to me was um, spending time with and surrounding yourself with people who are not aligned with your goals mm -hmm. and where you want to go with your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I, I see so often with people who, you know, coming out of high school coming out of college whatever it is like you have your friends from that chapter of life and you never really like reassess of are they going in the same direction and uh and it's they're just there because they're there and spending time with people who are not necessarily aligned with what you see or where you want to go you just follow that herd and if you ever have any ideas or thoughts of going somewhere else you feel like you're an absolute weirdo you feel like you're the outcast for wanting something better for yourself, for wanting to pursue your health and, you know, go to bed early compared to like going out and partying every Friday night and spending time with people who don't have the same values and stuff as yourself. It may seem like, Oh, it's just, it's just fun to be around. Like, Oh, they're just my friends. Like it's not that big a deal. When in reality, like that can be suffocating the potential that you actually want for yourself. And you don't really realize because yes. you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what's on the other side. But if they don't align with you, then you're never going to find out what that is. Yeah, that's big. And I think that last point too, about you don't really realize. And, but like, if you're gonna do, do things differently and make different choices, you're automatically now going like upstream, like you're going against what everybody else is doing. So you're gonna just have to explain yourself a lot. You're gonna get people kind of telling you you're crazy. You're gonna like all this extra resistance that you don't need for already doing something that's you know, probably more challenging than what most people choose. Exactly. Um, yeah. No matter how, no matter how confident you are in like the truth of this or whatever, that's going to chip away at you. It gets oh, hard. Like when having to explain yourself all the time and having people yes. give you weird looks and stuff. Yes. So I've been there. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been, we've I also kind of am in a lot of ways. Still kind of am. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but we're, we're fortunate that we've found circles of people who are the same type of crazy as us yes. and, uh, and, and, you know, feel good about those things and praise them as opposed to question them. And, and that's what, that's what I would just say, actually, for anyone in that position is like, oh, shoot, I don't know if like my people aren't where I want to go. I'll like assure anybody out there, there are circles that exist of the type of person you want to be. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's that transitionary stage from, you know, who you are now to who you want to be. And sometimes that can be a little rocky, but it's definitely worth it on the other side. So quick little point to, to add in there. Mm -hmm. So uh, moving on to the next one. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, Moving on to the next one here. So Brian, what has been the most impactful program or certifica certification type process that you've gone through for your own coaching, but also just like your own development? So in my earlier career, stages of my career, I basically went and did every sort of certification and seminar and thing I could possibly find. Uh, wouldn't think twice about getting on a plane, going anywhere for like a weekend cert or with the idea of like just walk away with one or two things. Um, 
as I've, so that was like, you know, when I owned the gym and stuff since then, in the last, it's, it's been six years now since I've transitioned to the sort of second chapter of my, my career. Um, I actually haven't gone through too many at all. In fact, well, one of them where you and I met actually was one of what was one really good business mentorship mm -hmm. program. Um, and that was impactful because it just opened my eyes to some, some different things. It wasn't so much like I learned this specific thing about business, but I learned a lot about like communication and just um, how to talk to, you know, like hear clients and, and things that translate into multiple areas of my life. Um, so that was a, a good one. That was uh, by um, Xander Fryer was the person that we had worked with there. Um, but really what was, what I started to actually learn more recently in my life was that a lot, and I went to one, I won't name it because it might make, make, give it a, a bad rep, but it was actually a good certification, but I walked away from it. This was probably the last one I went to where I was like, I didn't really learn that much here. Like I, I, I knew a lot of this already through my own exploration. And it started making me realize that there's now, there's so much information available that if you are just committed to your own exploration and then you're experimenting with what you're learning and trying new things, that experience, the experience of that is going to bring you far more wisdom than you could ever really learn from somebody else in a, in like a, a course or a, a seminar. So, and, and in fact, that's what actually helped us develop at, at O23, what we call the three X's of, of expertise, of becoming the expert of yourself, which is exploring new ideas, experimenting mindfully with them in your life, like taking what you're learning and, and trying things out and then using that experience as your, as your main guide, like as your, your uh, the ultimate like source of information. And that, um, you know, when I realized that, that that was becoming the most valuable thing in my life. I was just you know, between books and pockets and documentaries and all these things I was learning and learning and learning and I was implementing and implementing. And then I was really learning what was, you know, all the things that were working and not. And as I developed those two, three, I always wanted to, I wanted to not tell people do this, don't do that. I wanted to help them. I wanted to guide their discovery of the same kind of, you know, the same kind of discovery that I was finding um, because I was kind of very random and all over the place. And for some people that doesn't help. So I was like, how could I help people learn all of these things in a shorter linear, more linear fashion by guiding their exploration and experimentation and, and, and helping them reflect on their own experience. So, um, I know it doesn't really answer the question, but that's my answer. Yeah, no, that's that, that's awesome. And also I'll add like the asterisk note to that for yourself is that that stage happens after you've gone through certifications in pretty yes. much every possible field yes. around yes. health, fitness and, and development. Mm -hmm. And like those provide a starting point for the exploration. Mm -hmm. You've looked into it, you have all this knowledge in your head. And then the next step, the wisdom comes from where can I apply this? Where can I, can I explore this myself compared to like taking in more? How can I start creating more? And that's where you really learn, really understand this stuff. Exactly. And actually, and so a key, a key um, point distinction there, I started realizing like, I don't really need to, I don't need to learn more. I just, need, I need to understand better. I need to mm -hmm. understand the things that I do know better. And I, the understanding was going to come through applying it to my life and actually experiencing it. So um, with my life and then starting to help, clients with it and really you know when I started helping people and teaching that's where the, the uh, learning accelerated definitely yeah and that's what obviously we aim to do through all of our education with at 023 is like yes we're teaching you new principles but we're also looking to help you understand uh yourself and, and apply this in real time so that was yes. that was good thank you for sharing that I'll just give a much simpler answer my yoga teacher training was easily the most impactful for me primarily because it did a lot of this though and, and hearing you talk it's like it's putting the piece together of why it was so impactful it was uh, something I didn't want to do originally, basically got roped into from uh, the teacher, who's one of my uh, teacher, teachers and, and good friends, basically saying like, you need this. And she was right. It was uh, the best thing I ever did. 200 hours of like live mentoring, coaching, doing the work and not just focusing on like skills and tactics and things of yeah, yeah. that nature. And so it was uh, yeah, six months long and it was a transformational experience for me in going from someone who understood like you know tactics and skills and had a you know strong tool belt to someone who can just coach people someone who can stand in front of a person and, and talk with them and discuss and feel good that no matter what comes up it's like yeah i can navigate this to help them be better on the other side mm -hmm. and just stand and like hold the presence in front of a room so that was uh was definitely the the most transformational for me
Cool. Maybe I'll have to do that one day soon. <laughs> At some point, we gotta be picky. Well, I'll, I'll help you pick a good one. Like, yes, right. There's, a, there's a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of different first. ones. Lots so, of yeah, cool. Uh, moving on to the next one here, Brian. What is one uh, like quote unquote life hack that you've discovered that you feel like you now can't live without? Um, this is this is a tricky one for me. My, my answer is kind of simple, but I, I started to realize over the last several, years, last several years the value of my walks, going on walks by myself. And so much to the point that like, I could not live my life without them. They are a part of my life because it gives me this chance to unwind and process and filter through my, my thoughts and feelings and emotions in a way that I just can't really seem to do other places in other ways. Um, what's really cool though too, is at this point in my life, what I can do is I can actually like kind of take a problem that I'm sitting with and like dealing with, I can't get to an answer. I don't really know what I want. What's the decision? I'm indecisive, whatever. And I can sort of like, like file it away. Like, like almost hit like, you know, click, like save for later and like turn it off, completely put it out of my mind, knowing that, I'll bring on my walk later uh, or on a walk later or whatever, I will you know, open this back up. And then at that point, I'll be able to feel into it and come to an answer. And I know that the answer is just on the other side of the walk, basically, uh, on the other side of that time. It's not always a walk, but like some kind of quiet meditative space. Mm -hmm. um, but that ability to be like, pause, you know what? I'm not, I'm not gonna find the answer to this right now. So no, no um, point even thinking about it more, turn it off. I'll bring it back up later. And I, and I'm 99% of the time will come to an answer conclusion um, at that you know, later stage. So that feels like a hack to me. It feels like I, I have all the answers. They just don't have it right now. I'll have it later. Uh, for a walk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so good. Cause like, if that is something that's on your mind at the moment, you're like semi trying to process it mm -hmm. while you're doing something else. You're actually doing neither of them well. No. And that's just this brain fog. That's just, it's yeah. clogged up in your decision-making process. So like you say, if you need to save for later, go for a walk, yeah. I'll solve it. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll take care of it, no problem. Yes, indecision is a very heavy feeling. Very heavy. You're like carrying it around all the time. So you have to just yeah. put it down literally and come back to it later. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, that's a, a one for me, yeah. what about you? For me, I, I got two. I got one that's kind of a deep one and then one that's like very, um, just, uh, I don't know what to call it, you'll see in a sec. But the, the first one is, I would say, taking ownership for everything in my life. Mm -hmm. And so whenever anything good happens, whenever anything, particularly whenever anything quote unquote bad or like something undesirable happens, my first thought is I was like, okay, what was my role in this? It's like, what, what could I have done differently? And then it's a matter of like, oh, you couldn't have done anything differently. It's okay, let it go. What, what can, like nothing I can do. And, and it's not a matter of like, uh, like an apathy of like, oh, I don't care about things. It's just like, if I can control it, I'm going to focus on what I can control. If I can't, well, I'm going to let it go. What, what, what's the point in, in focusing on that? And, and as I was thinking about this, I'm like, man, I cannot imagine how it would feel like living your life, blaming other things for your circumstances. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds like rough. Like living a life thinking that other things are in control of how, you know, your outcomes and stuff. It's like, man, that's like, I don't know about that. And so it, uh, this ownership feels kind of like a life hack. It's like everything yes. is within my control in some capacity. And, uh, and that just, yeah, feels like, a, feels like a bit of a hack. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I've experienced myself as well. This kind of like radical ownership of everything that happens. We talk, we talk about it all the time. We either create it or we allow it. Right. Yes. And so like, which one is it? But, and, and also that I've seen so many people through our course and, and whatnot have a similar um, realization that then they just start taking ownership for everything. Like everything changes. It's just, um, you're, cause you're living a different life. That's, yeah. that is a different life. The victim mm -hmm. mentality versus, you know, when you come out of that victim mentality and you start to get into that, that creator, that ownership, the architect mindset that you, that you're literally a different person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's number one. Number two, this is a good one. You guys can all take this one. It's uh, it's my, my like dish soap dish one thing that I have incredible. It's like, it's like a little thing. It's got a sponge on it and you put the soap in the, in the, the wand and you can like just wash things with just a little bit of water on them. It's amazing. 
Like okay. if, if, if I go to anyone else's house that doesn't have one, I'm like, this is like, what am I going to do? I guess, I'm, I guess I'm not doing the dishes. Like it's uh, if I, like I stayed at a friend's house in town and like, I brought my dish wand with me. <laughs> it's uh, it is an absolute, absolute game changer. I do and, a lot of dishes around yeah. my house and yeah. it's part of my nighttime kind of meditate. Well, yep. Usually Bree's laying with the kids in bed on doing the dishes and cleaning up and winding down. I don't enjoy I mean, I find enjoyment in it in some ways, but yeah. it could be more efficient. And it sounds like it would make it more Yeah, because there's nothing I hate more than filling up the sink with water. And then like your hands are in there. They get yeah, all like, no, it, no. no. And so it's just, you just run the water. I swear I use less water this way. And I wash my dishes like basically as I use them. And then there's yeah. never a mess, never anything. And like, we have a dishwasher that I just never use because I wow. hate when things get stuck, like stay in there for like three days and then I'm going to look for it. And anyways, there's a little dish wand. You put the soap in it. It's got a sponge on it. Total you might have to hack. drop a link in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, total life hack. I'm just getting an affiliate <laughs> code Amazon. and we'll let, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dish wants, that's another one there. So, uh, cool. Moving on to the next one here. So, Brian, um, what characteristic do you admire most in other people? Um, I think this, this one's actually pretty easy for me. I think authenticity. Hmm. Authenticity and then, like, I guess in the same way um what's the word i'm looking for the commitment to seeing your being your fullest self like so like being your fullest self and like committing to whatever that means like whatever kind of ventures that takes you on or leads you towards just being fully open to that and um it just seems like whenever i meet people like that i i, I instantly gravitate towards them and you can just tell right away there's no there's no mask on really there's no like kind of trying to say the thing right things they don't change their tone and demeanor very much or at all when there's like other people around or different people, you know, whatever. It's like, they're, they have one, they're, they're the same, they're one person, they're fully authentic all the time and they're committed to, to living that life. And that's inspiring to me. I like to surround myself with as many people like that as possible. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And it's, it's so funny because mine is almost the exact same from like a slightly different angle. It's uh, the one that came up for me was I use the word courage. And, and basically as I'm thinking about it is like, it's courage as an access to authenticity, because there's a lot of, um, fear of judgment and things like that, that go on in which it actually like, especially in early stages, like as you're working through some of this stuff, it can take some balls just to be you mm -hmm. and like the fear of rejection and things like that, that come up. And so when I see people, similar idea, like living their truth, like what is in alignment with them. Mm -hmm it's just like, it's just like this energy that radiates out yeah, and, right. and it's so cool. And um, the one thing I was actually going to say that also came up that was along the courage line is like, I love when I see people doing things poorly. Like I love when I see people doing things they're bad at okay. because like it's, you clearly can tell they're not doing it because they're good right now. It's mm -hmm. easy to do stuff when you're good, but if you're doing yes. it and you're bad, it means you have, you must really care about this thing yeah. and you're willing to suck. And, and that's like something that's really cool to me. And on the flip side, when people are good, it's like, I respect it that I know they started at a place when they weren't. And there's like this courage that goes into like having a willingness to not be good and do it anyway. And so kind of similar idea though, that authenticity feeling. Yeah. And I like you do make a good point there with the courage, especially like at the beginning, it's hard when you don't really have proof <laughs> that you like know what you're doing or like, are so quote unquote, like something special or yeah. something different or whatever. And like, you know, like we just talked about earlier, like people around you, like, what are you doing? You know, you have to be courageous and just keep going until you start having success. And it's like, people sort of, you know, they, they, they trust that you know what you're doing a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. But there's a lot of, a lot that comes before you get to there. Totally. And you always see that stage and it's like, yes. wow, they must have it easy. It must've always been like that. And the more we get into this, you realize like, no, that was never the case. No. They're just the ones who stayed with it long enough to get there. So courage, authenticity, a couple real good, uh, real good traits to, you know, aspire and inspire by. Cool. Moving on to the, uh, the next one here. So we're going to move back to a little bit of a, I guess, a coaching lens on this one. Uh, so Brian, how does an O two three coach fit into the, uh, the, the equation, the health equation, like in comparison to say a like fitness coach, personal trainer, uh, to like a medical doctor, a physical therapist, or even like a, like a psychologist or like, you know, mental therapist, how does an O two three coach like fit into that environment, that equation? That's a great question. I'm glad that we're, we're bringing that up because I think a lot of people wonder that, you know, where, what, this is different, right? Like we, we, we focus, we're, you know, in the health and fitness world, um, 
and in the fitness world specifically, but we don't do the actual fitness side, right? So, you know, we talk about what goes on outside of the gym. One, you won't go out of the, the gym doors, but that's a big, that's a lot of things. That's life, right? So it's like there has to be some sort of parameters and boundaries and, and scope to it. Um, so, well, first, I, I guess I'll start by saying, and maybe we can include this in the show notes, that there's a video on YouTube that I um, put up a, a month or two ago about what we refer to as the fitness health medicine spectrum. And I emphasize the word spectrum because it's not so much a, a three boxes or three lanes that have these hard lines and division. It's kind of like the spectrum that you know blurs from one to the other as you go from general exercise, you know, breaking a sweat and breathing heavy and whatnot, all the way through more and more, you know, specific focused exercise into um, all the way down to, you know, disease management and like what would be considered more like standard, you know, Western healthcare and stuff. Um, so, you know, where we fall in between there is kind of in the middle. We talk about fitness, health, medicine, where, uh, you know, we're, we, we focus on things that go beyond what can be covered just in fitness, but don't normally in most cases qualify as like medical, you know, problems, right? Um, people are, we don't say, Hey, if you have this disease or whatever, come see us and we'll cure you of this disease. Um, it's more like the, we, we focus more on the, on the health challenges, right? So this is something we talk about quite a bit. It's like, um, and I, you know, there's a, and actually also on YouTube, you can probably, um, include is a, a video from the intro of one of our seminars that we use, that we, we still do, but from a few months back um, with coaches actually. And this is with coaches. We still, we went around the room and we talked about like the 18 or 20 most common like health challenges that we're all dealing with in, in our modern society today. And they were just things like, you know, excessive snacking, um, you know, TV binges, mind races at night, hitting, you know, can't get up in the morning, uh, frantic work schedule, um, yada, 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 all things that are like basically universal that we're all faced with. And I think everybody had their hand raised for at least, I don't know, six or eight out of the 18, if not more. And it led me to a point, and I also talk about this in an old podcast as well, of the fact that like all of those things are daily health challenges that aren't really addressed, can't you know, go beyond fitness, but none of them are like medical problems. If you go to a doctor with any of these things, they're, they're not going to know what to say or do or be able to really help you at all. Um, but the thing, the key is though, that the reason we end up in a doctor, the reason we end up on the medicine side of the spectrum is because of all of these challenges in our lifestyle that we face for years and decades that go unresolved or unconquered that just compound over and over and over. And that means both like the individual challenge that we deal with and just the accumulation of all the different challenges that we deal with that just lead to all this extra stress and all these things and, and whatnot. So health problems are the end result of daily lifestyle challenges, right? So, you know, lifestyle diseases, which are most of the major diseases that we, we deal with in, in modern medicine, they have lifestyle cures. They are cured decades prior by making changes in our lifestyle. So, um, as an OT3 coach in the holistic lifestyle, I think takes up actually kind of the biggest chunk of that spectrum because there's a wide range between where fitness ends and the, and the medicine side begins. And there's a lot of people in that, I think I referred to in the video as like an ocean. There's like an ocean width. There's a lot of people out there drowning in that ocean that fitness can't help and medicine isn't they're not ready for that yet either. And that's our chance to really step in and um, essentially help people create that lifestyle of balance and thriving and then dress, you know, fall into alignment where all these little challenges start to disappear and dissipate. And, and we find that balance, we find that rhythm, we find that thriving, we just feel freaking good every day. Um, and that sets us up for a life, you know, setting and sets us up for a lifetime of success. So mm -hmm. I think of it, the term I use, and I'll, I'll finish here is the, I, I use the term, we're kind of like holding the line in some ways between fitness and like health, fitness and health and then the medicine side basically I mean like we can be a last um, line of defense in the spectrum before people cross over into that, that medicine side because I think everyone listening to the show probably knows that there's a lot of issues on the standard healthcare side that 
if we set, we let clients cross that line and get over there, we don't know what they're going to get. If they're actually going to get help, if they're going to get any healing whatsoever, if they're going to just get, you know, drugged up for the rest of their life. Um, so, so anyway, I guess I would summarize by saying we can play a role in that, you know, bigger picture societal disease, but also just, you know, in the individual, um, helping an individual absolutely optimize their lifestyle and thrive on a daily basis. Totally. And yeah, I mean, you nailed it on the head there. And most of what is going on in our society, the struggles, they're lifestyle related diseases, they're lifestyle related issues. And so in order to combat those, it's lifestyle solutions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where medical is about keeping you alive when you're getting to the brink of, you know, it's, it's a disorder at this point. Mm-hmm. And fitness yes. is about like mastering, you know, your physical body, the physical aspects of your health. But there's a lot more that goes into that in the mm-hmm. lifestyle component where uh, we're looking to equip coaches with the skills to be able to handle those very effectively, very yeah. intentionally. Yeah, so. and we have, we have the freedom in our position to um, talk about these things with people and like uh, not only cover these topics, but we also like doctors don't have the time, you know, their business model isn't set up to be able to sit down and really hear what's going on in your day-to-day lifestyle, your actions, your, your habits, your behaviors, right? As coaches, we can sit and actually create that space and, and have that relationship where we can talk about, you know, the nuances of behavior change and both the, the how and the why, the education and the execution and like the accountability and all of the things that they need to make changes. Because like just tell, you know, at the best of doctors can be like, oh, you should really get some more sleep. You know, like that's, that's not really helpful. It's like a financial advisor telling you, you should really make some more money. You know, <laughs> like it just doesn't really do it for them, but we can actually coach them through all the things they need to know about, you know, why it's important, how to do it, how to recreate their habits, how to shift their mindset entirely around these problems and, and um, these challenges. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's a great, uh, great spot there. Well, how, how, one more uh, kind of fun one to finish up here and then we'll wrap up. Okay. So the last one for, for this year is uh, Brian, what is a quote unquote failed business venture of yours uh, that people probably don't know about? Okay. So I had, after which, one I sold, do, which one do we want to pick? Which here? one do I want to go to first? Um, no, I think the most interesting one is um, after I'd sold the gym, I, I had this idea that was in my mind for a while about like, oh man, I'll, I'll try to keep a short version, but basically I had this idea. This is back in social media was kind of just becoming a big thing. I'll, I'll paint a picture. Instagram videos at the time were limited to 15 seconds. Okay. So this is, this is when this was. And I remember watching a lot of uh, CrossFit games, athletes and stuff and seeing these 15 second clips and whatnot. And like, I always was like, intrigued to learn more about their training. Like, what are these guys and girls actually doing every day? This is when I was still more interested in that side of it. And I knew other people were as well. So anyway, it was an idea. And as it, after I sold the gym and I was doing some other things before I really got into this side of it, I, 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 I tried to see this idea through a little bit by creating a, um, I guess the best way to describe it would be like a mini documentary series. So I worked with some athletes that some people here would know, like uh, Noah Olson, Sam Dancer, um, Ka- Carrie Pierce, Christian Harris, Austin Maliola, Spencer Hendel. So like we had a, a lineup of athletes and what we did was we actually sent them um, video equipment, like, like vlogging equipment to document their own training leading into the open one year, actually leading in and through the open. And what they would do is they would film a day of training and even some eating and all these things, send us all the footage. We would edit it into like a 15 minute episode and then we would, we would share. And it was really cool because a new episode came out every day. Each, each athlete had an episode a week, but there was seven, seven people. So there's like one a day that came out. Um, and it was actually cool. And many of the athletes loved it. And we sold, um, it was a subscription model. It was like 15 bucks for the whole season. We didn't sell enough to really like make a lot of money, but we sold it like over 30 something different countries, which was, which is cool. And, um, it was just like a really fun project all around, but it almost freaking like killed me. It was really, really intensive on the logistical side. And then we started gearing up for season two and was, we were starting to get into these more detailed conversations with the athletes and their spot and their agents about like 
um, sponsorship deals on the video. Instead, so we wanted to do it on YouTube instead, whatever. We were going to have to do like run, get sponsors and all these like just contracts and negotiations and like just the very beginning of these conversations to me, I was like, this is not me. This is not what I want to do. I was, I originally thought to like, this was going to be a segue for a company that would also offer coaching. Like I wanted to just get back into like coaching. Right. Um, and actually, so I don't mention it sometimes, but that was in between like selling the gym and really then going on, like starting my whole holistic journey. I, I kind of went right into that quit, uh, you know, pull the plug on after it was like only like six months total. And then I went and did my fast and went and started like shifting everything in that direction. But um, I just took them off of YouTube for the first, they had like over a million views total like the season. Um, but uh, I don't know if any listeners ever caught any of those back in the day or not, but they were, they were pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone is, has ever actually watched those, because I never saw any of them. If anybody ever saw those, reach out to Brian, send him a message yes. uh, uh, that you saw those. That's cool. I'd love to hear it. That would yeah. be really interesting. And I get, it's funny. I just, there's this one person that still messaged me once in a while on Instagram. I was like, Hey, are you guys doing any more of those videos? Like, oh, I really love this. And I'm like, sorry, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> so the ship was sailed a long time ago. That's um, funny. Yeah. But, so you, uh, yeah, so you were funny. like, uh, you were like almost the buttery bros before the buttery bros. Kind of. In yeah. fact, it was not too different. I like to think that we paved the way for some of the <laughs> things that are happening now because yeah. what we did was so different. Like people, it was very like, at the time it was very, um, you, the, the whole media world was just different at the time, yeah. right? So it was kind of like forward thinking and the fact that we didn't actually have to travel around and do the filming oh, ourselves yeah. that they did it for us. It was, I don't know, like somebody called genius, really. <laughs> <laughs> Or other people say that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 like, I guess I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. I'm proud that's, of, I am proud of the idea and the creativity that went yeah. behind it. Uh, it was cool. Um, I wanted to just see it come to life. That was became the thing. Like, as oh, it yeah. became, started coming to life, I'm like, oh my God, this is more. Yeah. We're going to do it. We have all these athletes lined yeah. up. And right. then I started realizing that was driving me more than anything else. And I was like, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> like, I don't really have one of them. Yeah. But yeah, I can imagine the coordination of everything going on and then simply editing of videos to have a one out every single day. Like that's insane. Yes. That's, a, that's was, so much going insane. on. I was waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. So they would upload the videos. I had to wake up in the middle of the night to download them because it took yeah. hours. So I had to yeah. wake up, go on my computer, download them all, go back to sleep, wake up and I would edit for the next like 12 or 13 hours every yeah. day till the episode was up, post it and then do it again the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So this was before, this is an earlier you know, time of my life. Um, I would not do those things anymore as most people listen to this now. Yeah. But, uh, but it did teach me, so the uh, final takeaway, I learned how to video, I was forced to learn how to video edit at a high level, which yeah. ultimately has probably, if I, it's reason we maybe probably still exist because if I was paying someone to do all the video editing that we've done since the beginning of this company, I would have been bankrupt Wouldn't 10 work. times yeah. over <laughs> yeah. because you know, a million versions of the earlier programs that had videos that had yeah. you know, filmed and recorded and then scrapped and filmed and recorded and scrapped. Um, if I couldn't do all that myself, it would have been a big problem. Yeah. Pays off in the end. So cool. Well, I'll throw a mine. Mine's not quite as exciting. It didn't get nearly that far, but it was, uh, it was the, gym owner of the gym that I used to work at, we were basically both uh, like in the CrossFit world and stuff. And we saw like the rise of like, comp train. We saw the rise of all of these really well done, like subscription type service programming for, for fitness, like for CrossFit. And for those who don't know, like my background is in, in hockey. He was a hockey player. Also, that's actually how we met was I started training with him hockey specific. And so we're like, we should make like a sport specific training platform to the same level that in the same extent of, you know, these ones that were popping off. And this was in 2017, maybe 2018. So it's like, honestly, even still, they don't really exist yeah. in the sports specific world. So if someone wants to take this idea and run with it, uh, I'll take my uh, commission check in the mail. But uh <laughs> But no, we, we had this idea and it's like, it made so much sense. It's like sports specific training is actually like quite a bit lagging behind like the CrossFit world. Yeah. There's a lot of old, like outdated training models and like we felt really good about what we could do and what we could deliver. And we had all the models and stuff. And this was when I was probably 18 or something like that, 18 or 19. And like, I was making no money. I was like, just grinding out. And it's still, this ended up costing us like a couple thousand dollars, went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> and uh, we got like the logos made. It, it was called all in sports systems. Ah. We actually had this, we, we had this sweet logo for it and everything. And it was, uh, it was cool. And then it, we spent a bunch of time and all that. It ended up to a spot where 
we were him, my like would have been business partner and I were kind of on different pages of like where we wanted it to go. He like we saw the potential of adding like multiple sports in because he was into like some other things and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, we should add like do all of these things. And I'm like, dude, no, we don't have a single hockey client yet. <laughs> yeah. Let's like, let's, let's do this one. Let's start here. And then we can branch out. And then it's just between doing like doing this as a side gig, not being super aligned with stuff. Didn't really pan out. And eventually yeah. we're just like, Hey dude, like we're a little bit in, should we just kill this? And we were both like, yes. Yeah. Like it's, okay. it's just not, it was just not the thing. But That's cool. uh, I think yeah. you mentioned this to me once very briefly, but I hadn't heard, I forgot about it. Yeah. It's, I can't remember something sparked, uh, made me think of it like, I don't know, a couple days ago, which is what sparked this question that, uh, that wanted to go. But yeah, a lot of like just garage, like brainstorm sessions, mm -hmm. super fun. And then when it got to the logistics of it, nothing really came of it. Right. Yeah. The idea I still think was good. And, I think it uh, is too. I like had it. We, had we seen it through, I think it would have been, uh, would have been great. We would have got like all the different sports field and bring in experts of different things mm -hmm. and whatever. Yeah, one expert mainly in each field. But giving so. like real training to like sports specific people at a, you know, lower to barrier entry kind of price point where it's mm -hmm. like, you don't need a, you know, a personal trainer or whatever to get good training sports specific, which is like mm -hmm. something that there was kind of a gap in that, which still seems like there's a little bit of I a gap. Still, yeah, my, my wheels are turning right now. Yeah, like exactly, yeah. And uh, the other thing too, sports parents will pay freaking anything for their kid to have high level stuff. So, you know, you get the 12 to 14 year old hockey kids, their parents will pay anything. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's going to the NHL at that age. So. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. So. Oh, cool, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that was a little one for me. So um, right on with that, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. We had some, uh, some good talks, a little bit uh, all over the board, but everything yeah. related to what we do and, and how we go about it. So Brian, any of the last thing to, uh, to wrap us up here? No, I don't think so. I'd love to hear some questions from people, you know, after they watch the show or they hear some thoughts and feedback. And then mm -hmm. if they have questions, we're planning on doing one of these every month to six weeks or so, um, shoot them over. And, you know, obviously health and fitness is a big part of it, but not the only thing we want to talk about um, mm -hmm. health, you know, lifestyle, health, fitness, lifestyle. Um, yeah. Surprise us with some tough ones and yeah. let's have some fun. Definitely. Yeah. So if you want to send us any questions, uh, best place is probably on Instagram, uh, hit us up at 023 yep. underscore holistic underscore systems, uh, send us your questions and then we will get to them on a, uh, a later episode. Happy to dive into everything we got. So with that guys, we'll wrap up this one. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Peace.